NFR Extra follows all your favorite cowboys, interviews legends of rodeo, and talks to the best of country music. Follow Nevada Caldwell, Ryland Bentley, and Steve Godert every week as they delve deep into the stories behind the road to gold in Vegas at the National Finals Rodeo. It's revealing, comedic, and sometimes emotional. Find it on Spotify or anywhere you listen to podcasts. NFR Extra. All dirt, all rodeo, all year. Hunter Cure. Hunter, Hunter Cure, that sounded very leave a yeah. message. Be Jeez, at the man, town. this is a podcast, man. What did, like? Why are you coming on like that? <laughs> well, I, I was just told to log in, so uh, <laughs> I didn't know what I was stepping into. <laughs> it very much reminds me of marriage. You know, you sign up for something willingly, and then you don't know what you get until you know years down the road. Oh, yeah, here, here, man, you're talking to two married guys. <laughs> totally agree with you on that one. If you don't remember, they'll remind you years down the road. Could be one, could be ten. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's true. NFR Extra, episode 87. This opening line is from Susan Canode, our NFR Insider's recent blog, Snowmageddon. Valentine's Day 2021 was one for the history books. And if love was in the air, for many across the southern U.S., it was frozen. Two-time world champion steer wrestler Hunter Cure was badly injured at a qualifier event for RFT-TV's The American Rodeo. He had been recuperating and depending on others to help take care of his cattle at home. He had no idea how much that help would benefit him as the cold settled in. Hunter shares his snowmageddon story, family life, superstitions, and a lot more. Going into rodeos and watching your dad, and you're a pretty conscious gal, so did anything ever cross your mind that things could go horribly wrong, or was it something that you just accepted that could happen, or what were your emotions that you'd go through at that time? Growing up, my dad was a bullfighter, so he played the danger game often, and that was something, you know, we as kids always had a a respect for in a sense, I guess. Um, You just kind of live life. I guess in our rodeo world, it's a little different, but like the family aspect, you just understand that those are the things that are supporting you. You know, when I was little, I don't think I ever really understood the danger behind it. As I got older and my dad and I would talk about, you know, oh, there was a gap here that it was a little close or a little tight or, you know, you were a step behind or you were a step ahead. And those were start things that we'd actually start analyzing together. And as I got older, I realized like, hey, that one step makes all the difference in the world of him walking out of that arena. As I got older, definitely was a thought that at any point it could go wrong really bad, but a reality of that's his love that's his sport and he trains for it so if it if it goes bad you know he did something he loved you know what though look at what the perception of good bullfighters are i mean look at the top guys in the world of professional bull riding no matter which spectrum you're speaking of the guys that are good it's almost like superhero status you know what i mean you're just kind of waiting for them to do that thing it's like oh oh wow that was a great pick that was a great save that was a great whatever you look at a little kid that looks up to their dad that's in a position to where you know they save somebody's life and the cowboy comes up and gives them a hug it's like high fives like thanks man you saved my life it's like yeah my dad is actually actually a superhero from a kid's perspective. So it's like, what could possibly go wrong? I mean, that, that's almost the thing is like, you look at any kid that, you know, their dad, um, or you know, they have, they have an active parental figure in their life. It is like a superhero status, like nothing bad can happen, you know? So I guess it would take a, a while longer to kind of comprehend that there is a significant amount of danger that's involved that could be, you know, a negative for not only that individual, but for the family as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of those things, like in the bull riding industry, it's it's not a if they're gonna get hurt, it's a win. It is a given, we expect it to happen at some point, there will be injuries and there will be rehabs. But when my dad was bullfighting, we always talked about sports in general and in our lives. When you do something, you have to commit to it. You know, bullfighting is something that if you're gonna do it, you have to train for it, you have to commit to it and you have to do it. It's not something you get to go do on the weekends. It's not something, you know, snowboarding. You don't do it for two years and you go do it. Okay, it is what it is. You know, when you're getting 
in front of bulls and you're looking at other people's lives, it, it can definitely have a whole different perspective. And I think that pulled over into my career commitments too. I mean, I commit to things wholeheartedly. Whenever I do it, I put all of my effort into it. And I think that comes through my family. Yeah, you can't have one boot in the door when you're getting in front of a bull, right? You got to have all boots in. Otherwise, things are going to go horribly wrong. Well, because it's not just your life. You are protecting a cowboy. You are a person that is stepping in front of a bull to protect this cowboy. And that is your role. I don't want to say have an ego, but you have to have a level of confidence when you're doing things like that. You know, like you're saying, your dad trained all the time. And with the sense of awareness and space around you, where's the diminishing returns? Like, when is it that you're like, I can't shoot that gap like I used to? You know, I mean, it, and go back to your point, Brylan. Now it's not just, wow, I've kind of lost a step. It's like, well, that guy just got killed. You know, I mean, be it physically or metaphorically, guys can get hurt and have essentially career ending accidents on the basis of somebody not being 100% there, you know, be it mentally or physically to where that now has changed the dynamic of so much. So when do you hang? And as you get older and be how much do you think like, you know, oh, I can do that. I still think I could do that. I'm like, what in the hell was I thinking? There's that's impossible. Enjoy our conversation with world champion steer wrestler Hunter Keir. Listen to the end for Last Call with Steve and his good buddy, NFR announcer, Andy Seiler. And up next, Bryland's Bowl. This is Bryland's Bowl, the rodeo news of the week. The National Finals Rodeo Committee announces the hiring of Alan Reimenheimer as the general manager. Reimenheimer will work closely with Las Vegas events, NFRC, and the Professional Rodeo Cowboy Association on all aspects of rodeo production. Known as the richest and most prestigious rodeo in the world, the Wrangler NFR attracts the top 15 contestants in bareback riding, steer wrestling, team roping, saddle bronc riding, high down roping, barrel racing, and bull riding to compete for a share of $10 million purse and the coveted PRCA gold buckle. Tomas, a four-time winner of the PRCA Specialty Act Award in 2007, 2013, 2018, and 2019, is a mainstay at the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo. He won the $100,000 top prize on the Go Big Show on TBS. A total of 36 acts competed on the Go Big Show. Miranda Lambert, Vince Gill, Dan and Shay, The High Woman, and Dolly Parton were among the country winners at the 2021 Grammys. The Road to the NFR, World Standing Leaders, Bareback, Tilden Hooper, Steer Wrestling, Jacob Talley, Team Roping, Eric Rogers and Peyton Bray, Saddle Bronc, Ryder Wright, Tie Down, Shane Hanshey, Barrel Racing, Ivy Savins, Bull Riding, Colton Fritzlin, and in the all-around, Stetson Wright. Wrangler National Finals Rodeo, the annual event held at the Thomas & Mack Center in Las Vegas, is scheduled for December 2nd through the 11th, 2021. There's only one NFR, there's only one Vegas. In Las Vegas, December becomes Cowboy Town. The Wrangler National Finals Rodeo is the prize for the top contestants in the world seeking a share of the $10 million purse and the coveted gold buckle. For the fans, Las Vegas transforms into the greatest Western party in the world with the NFR experience featuring Cowboy Christmas, the Junior World Finals, nonstop entertainment, custom viewing parties, and so much more. Follow all the action at NFRexperience.com. There is only one NFR. There is only one Vegas. Hey y'all, I'm Cody Johnson and you're joining us right here on NFR Extra. Growing up in North Texas, being a cowboy has always been second nature to Hunter Keir. He was surrounded by large cattle operations and multiple family interests, including breeding operation, halter, performance, and cutting horses. At age 14, Hunter began steer wrestling. He would go on into college to win the National Steer Wrestling title in 2004. Cure finished 2013 at the CFR Finals as a reserve champion and winning his first PRCA World Championship title. He won his second World Championship at the 2015 Wrangler NFR. Hunter Cure, welcome to NFR Extra. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me on. Let's talk about your family life, the cures on the ranch. What has it been like for the past 365 days for you guys? So 
last year brought a, a ton of uh, changes, adversity, struggles, and some successes um, in every aspect of life. And, and my family and, and ranch was, was no different from a perspective of rodeoing. All of all of the plans that we made early on seem to just continue to fall apart and change and adapt. But the ranching life um, stayed stayed very very consistent all the way up until we had a hundred year winter storm this year. My my wife's work uh, with a renewable energy company did nothing but seem to take off uh, in the midst of COVID. She just closed on the largest wind farm. Uh, to be built in the U.S., as well as the largest solar farm to ever be built in the U.S., all this simultaneously. So, meanwhile, snow is falling, it's three degrees, and life's been pretty crazy here as of late. Two tiers there, right? you got the rodeo business that's been all over the place, as we already know, and we've talked to many contestants and, and others in this uh, rodeo industry. And then just about everything else, even for like Steve, our host here, you know, the ranching side seems of, I don't want to say has been unfazed by it, but kind of went pretty much as usual, where did you see things happening for yourself? Let's say for instance, the summertime, how many rodeos did you start partaking in? And when did you feel like, all right, things are getting a little bit uh, nowhere near normal, but I mean, when did you feel like things were kind of working out well for you on the rodeo side? I started last year with a, with a new group of uh, guys in my inner circle with Gary Gilbert and Tyke Kip and having a, a good group around you re- ready to take off rodeoing uh, is exciting and fun. Um, the only problem was that we never felt that we ever got to take off, you know, and full on go rodeoing the same way that um, we had planned early on. It seemed that we could go to maybe two a week and they would be spread out and and not in any sort of rhythm. And then we'd be home for three or four days, which was a wonderful thing for me to have a little break in between rodeos and spend time with my kids, work on my place a little bit. But it also didn't provide the continuity that was required for uh, or was my routine to make the NFR. I don't know if all bulldoggers all hang out together and there's just like this tight community, which I've assumed to think that there is, but it seems like you have something specific at your ranch. A lot of bulldoggers you house seems like every fall, winter, uh, gentlemen like Scott Genther and Tanner, a few others. Where does this pay off for you where you, you have these bulldoggers come hang out with you. Where, do, where does that this camaraderie work for you and the kind of the, the tight niche system that everyone seems to work with from steer wrestlers? Well, the, the one aspect about steer wrestling that we can't go do our events single-handedly. We always at least have to have a hazer, if not a hazer, a gate man, somebody to push a steer. And, and so what makes bulldogging uh, at a professional level so unique is, is while we're all trying to feed our families and compete against each other, we're also helping each other along the way. And what makes my house a little different than uh, a lot of other places is um, in, in order to be the best, you want to train with the best. And um, that's what my house tends to provide in the in the fall, winter month when the rodeos are taking place either in, in a preparation for Las Vegas or post Las Vegas and getting ready for Fort Worth, San Antonio, Houston. Um, my house is kind of a open and revolving door of top level competitors that come through. Uh, we practice, train together, work on our horses together, work on ourselves together. And it, it makes it, it creates an environment of winning, whether it's uh, whether it's my success personally or everyone else's, Jacob Edler had spent three, three to four years um, on that revolving door of men that come through my house, and his uh, his dream finally came to fruition this last year. This is NFR Extra, and our guest today, Hunter Keir. We will return after the break. We're back, and we don't want you to miss anything. Make NFRExperience.com your link to hear it first. You will get info on NFR events, Vegas concerts, insider tips, and more, all directly to your inbox. Just go to NFRExperience.com, verify your email address, and pick the experiences you want to hear more about. And new this year, we will send you customized announcements and special offers directly to your mobile number now and throughout the NFR. Check out NFRExperience.com for details. This is Jacob Edler, world champion steer wrestler, joining you on NFR Extra.
Two-time PRCA world champion steer wrestler, Hunter Kier, is here on NFR Extra. Can you explain your injury that just went down? And it kind of will, I think, no pun, snowball into what we're talking about here right now. So there was a steer wrestling jackpot and American qualifier in Sulphur, Louisiana, the last day of January of this year, 21. And I was hazing for one of my traveling partners, Type Kip, and he was missed the barrier a little bit. And I, I raided and was, was kind of waiting for him to, to get up to this, uh, to this steer. The steer took one step to the right, and it wasn't that drastic a move by the steer, but it, it basically just cut my horse's front legs out from underneath him that I was riding. And he, he flipped and went over the top of me, and it ended up... Uh, knocking me out for about 20 minutes in the arena, creating a, a extremely uh, tense situation for everyone else around me. Meanwhile, I just took me a nap right in the middle of the arena and didn't remember it the next day or the next two weeks. Jeez. Wow. Well, I'm, I'm very fortunate to be here, be able to visit with y'all and um, also have the opportunity to get back into the arena with no serious long-term repercussions. Well, that's kind of, I mean, a 20 minute dirt nap, man, that's, that's kind of messing around. I mean, even you look at most sporting events to where, you know, probably the most violent would be like the UFC or MMA fighting to where somebody gets knocked out. And I mean, a minute or two is kind of a long time to be knocked out. So 20 minutes, I mean, is that skull fracture and brain hemorrhage type stuff? Or did you have any, anything like that? They went over me head to toe. Um, I think I was just fortunately blessed that, there, there was no internal uh, hemorrhage or brain bleed, um, and it very well, just as easily as I walked away from it, it just as easily could have left me paralyzed with as with as severe and nasty as the wreck was on video um, that I've seen since. Um, so I, I'm, I just honestly am fortunate, blessed, and and lucky to have this conversation with you guys today. Jeez, man, no kidding. That's yeah, blessed and guardian angels are working overtime on that deal. At when you, when something like that happens, and you got how many? You, you got two kids, don't you? I do. Uh, my two. girl is eight years old. My boy is six. Wow, so that's that's kind of comparable to where kind of the age range my kids are in too. But like you've got essentially a, you know a young family, and you've got two world championships, and going down the road still, man. Is that something that you kind of like? Hey, we need to check it. You know, maybe reassess some things, or what? What did you walk away with any different thought pattern after that an accident like that? Certainly, I, I don't think anyone can have that um, severe a hiccup in their career and, and not take uh, take the time to uh, evaluate where they're at in life and their goals moving forward. Um, I certainly had three weeks, while I don't remember it all, there was three weeks before the blizzard that uh, that I had just trying to recover and recuperate to uh, to think about my, my present status and um, – after going through all that, my wife and I have talked about it in, in great detail. And while I don't think I, that I'm going to try to steer wrestle into my 50s, being 37 years old now, um, I've had success. I'm very happy with that. Um, but there's something about competition and the lights of Las Vegas that provides a, a fuel for the fire, if you will. And that's something that, uh, from a competitive standpoint, is is hard to ever extinguish. Um, that's a fire that I think will always be there, regardless, even even long after I finally decide that uh, steer wrestling will be better left uh, to the younger cats in this in this game. You brought up Tanner's name, and we had talked to Scott not too long ago. This whole thing with you dealing with the snow, snowmageddon. I don't think. I mean, what I was reading, I didn't know that you're your injury was as bad as you told it, dude, that you were seriously out. If you didn't create this kind of interesting world that you have there at your ranch, how freaking tough would it have been, man, dealing with all this super 30 below degree Texas snowmageddon thing. So that's the wonderful thing of having the camaraderie of, of having other, other men there at my house is while I was down, um, I never felt like my animals were unattended to, whether, whether it was the cows, uh, the yearlings, or, or the horses just around the house there. Um, those men, they put on their car hearts and, the, and their mittens just like if they were at home and took care of my stuff in the same fashion that if it was theirs. And for that, I'm, I'm more than uh, thankful for their help uh, and blessed with their company because I, I was in a physical state that I couldn't do the work myself. And I was certainly struggling 
just to be able to uh, to stay awake for 12 hours of a day. And they were huge when it when it came to. Uh, I can't say enough about what they did during that time that more reminded them of home than it did of uh, one winter in Texas. So um, I, I'm eternally grateful for their help, especially during that uh, that particular time in my life where I wasn't a functional human there for a little while. Crazy how the universe works. So were they were they already down there when that storm took place, or how did that come about? Were they you know in route planning on doing that, or was it the accident that you had that caused them to kind of have an extended layover? Nope they had planned um, they had planned to be at my house pretty well from the winter all the way through Houston. Um, you know Houston was originally scheduled for March, and May. their plan or sorry May. My apologies. Um, they had plans of, of staying, you know, using my house as a jump base, basically, to host their uh, operations up until Houston got over with. And then, you know, hopefully things opened up back into Canada where they could, could go back home and follow their usual rodeo circles. But uh, they had honestly had only been at my house about a week prior to my accident. So sometimes it's... Uh, you call it impeccable timing. Sometimes you call it God's timing, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm cool with however it, it, you want to call it. I feel like God's timing is usually pretty impeccable. It, it's funny that uh, we all try to make our own plans, but uh, at the end of the day, everything in, in His time. Yeah, no kidding. I want to backtrack a little bit to a separate accident. I believe it was March 2007 with a semi-truck and a couple of horses, could you, con- I don't know that those even compare, but could you highlight a little bit how that changed your possible career? Well, it, it seems that uh, every time in life that you make a plan, something comes along and changes it. And um, in, in the case that you're referring to in 2007, uh, in March, I, I went to a, a slack at Huntsville in the morning Huntsville, Texas. And once I, I got home at midnight and, and put horses up at my brother's house and uh, went, went back to my house for the night. And then about 3.30 in the morning, if I remember right, I received a phone call from a sheriff um, sheriff's office saying that uh, a semi-truck had struck both of my horses that I just brought back from, uh, from the pro rodeo with me that night. Apparently, in in my fatigue, that I didn't get the gate latch good enough, or even latch the gate at all. Um, I'm not for sure which, but I, I do know it was my fault, and um, I lost both my horses in that accident. And while they are, they were wonderful animals. They were helping me get my foot in the door to the PRCA. Now, looking back years and years later. I, I, I don't think those were the horses that would in, inevitably I, I would have ever been able to ride in Las Vegas, but they were certainly the stepping stone that had gotten me to a college championship and then had my confidence up to, you know, to want to put my shingle out and tout myself as a professional in this world. You're listening to NFR Extra with our guest, Hunter Keir. Let's take a quick break. Welcome to NFR 360, where the NFR experience comes to life. This portal transports you to an immersive visual experience, encapsulating the stories and history of the NFR experience. NFR 360 is a collection of newly produced and historical digital content filled with stories about current and legendary contestants, the inside scoop on all the elements of how you experience the National Finals Rodeo, and inside tips that will improve your experience during the NFR 365 days a year. Hi, I'm Tyler Pearson, world champion steer wrestler, and you're listening to NFR Extra. NFR Extra with guest, five-time NFR qualifier, Hunter Keir. I want to turn to a little bit more superstitious impact side just because of the accidents that you have experienced in the career that you have had. Do you have any superstitions that kind of go throughout when you're making decisions, making plans? The the only superstition that I that I've ever had to hold to account was something that came in real life that uh, my first year in Las Vegas, um, we were 
we were in a hotel room and I had my wife and all her family was in there and in this room and they were trying to uh, lay out clothes for the night. I think the girls were trying to pick out their outfits and um, they were pretty excited about everything. And I think we were we were in the middle rounds, maybe round four, maybe round five, somewhere in there. And my mother-in-law had grabbed my hat and had tossed it on the bed. Oh, no. And I've never had a superstition before, but that was my one. Like, that was the one thing we don't do. And later that night, as it just, as fate happened to have it, uh, I missed my steer in Las Vegas uh, that night in the arena, but was, but just barely caught his tail. And so I chased him around the entire arena uh, just by his tail and ended up getting, getting him thrown down in about 40 seconds. And long story short, I, I ended up placing in the average that year. It was one of the small victories of it. But uh, from that moment on, I was instantly had a superstition of never place a hat on a bed. And before I ever went back to uh, the NFR again, before the finals in 2013, I actually did a little ceremony outside and, and burned that hat and got a new one before I went to Vegas the second time. Nice. That's Good. Just about to ask you if you had to discard yeah. the hat. <laughs> well, it, it took me it took me years to do, since how I'm a, a, a touch on the frugal or cheap side, if you will. But uh, I had my it, it was just me. I had my own little private deal, and uh, I sent that hat up in smoke, got a new one, and the rest is history. Is that before or after your world championships? That was that was immediately before my first um, nice. world championship. <laughs> there you go. Oh, that is fantastic. Might have to make a habit out of burning the hat every now and again, but yeah. <laughs> you know, I've known uh, several steer wrestlers that uh, have had things not go their way for an extended period of time in the summer. And I've known a few guys that would uh, would go ahead and sacrifice a straw hat, but most of us are too cheap to uh, to light the felt on fire. Yeah, that's rough. Can't blame you. No, you know, I was um, I was reading this about uh, it actually read this whole piece. We were doing something on superstitions and looking at this as a kind of a conversation with Steve and Andy Seiler. And there was like a list of all these things. But what was interesting is these other interviews, um, yours had came up, but another one was uh, Trevor Brazil, right? And he's, I guess he has fun with it. So like he'll, yep. with young Cowboys, yeah, he'll throw the hat on a bed or something like that just to freak him out a little bit. And it's like superstitions are, are, are tough to come by. Right. Think about like where you're at, you're, you're, you're in your mini career, but you've been competing and it was that one moment, right. You probably didn't even th think about it. And then it just happens and you're so focused and everything going on. And it's like, Oh my God, something all is going to happen. I mean, it's, it's, it's all hokey. Right. But it's, it's, but at the same time, it's not like, just yeah. is it gambling? Yeah, I don't know, man. I'm at, is it or isn't it is the question. But, uh, yeah. I've taken that one to heart. And I yeah. think if Trevor Brazil was ever with me, um, I, I think he would quit throwing hats on the bed after I lit them on fire one at a time. Yeah. Imagine how good he'd be if he wasn't burning, if he wasn't throwing hats on beds. I mean, <laughs> absolutely unstoppable. Yeah. Unbelievable. God, that's crazy, man. You always hear the guys that, uh, you know, oh, and I think it's less fewer and fewer just for the way that, that times are changing now. But I mean, you being an active rancher as well, how do you balance out that of, you know, making a living rodeoing and kind of compensating for the time at the ranch? Certainly. Um, so the balance between the two is that uh, we, we can all admit that I'm, uh, I'm not an active participant in the ranch in, in the summer months. Um, and that's where the rest of my family, my wife, my mother, uh, I've got a little brother that lives close, kind of have to ante up and, and fill my shoes in those summer months. But we also try to schedule things and shuffle things around during the year. So the heavy workload is, is while I'm home. And the wonderful thing about living in Texas in the winter is that, A, it doesn't uh, doesn't get three degrees uh for weeks at a time. I'm usually home in the winter, uh, with the exception of the, the times that I'm in Las Vegas. Um, so it's it's actually doable in, in a certain sense that in the winter months and during the uh, winter rodeos, I'm home several days a week and I'm able to balance um, to a certain degree uh, the ranch life and the rodeo life as well as a practice schedule and uh, assistant baseball uh, coach along the way. 
So add, add coaching to the resume now too. Yeah, more like ball dagger. Uh, it <laughs> seems uh, I'm not necessarily the coach, but if they need encouragement to uh, run all the way to the the foul pole, uh, I, I can help yeah. them with that. Being a steer wrestler, a few that we've talked here on the podcast, you guys are athletes, right? Like you're. There's all the different unique aspect of a, of a rodeo athlete, but for you guys, you're big dudes, man, and you're coming off a horse super fast, and then you got to somehow dismount, land, pull. Oh, there's all kinds of stuff going on. Did you play other sports growing up, or was it just rodeo? No. Um, up through up through my high school career, um, I played football and, and baseball pretty well um, on a yearly basis, and um, as – uh, high school went along. I, I stayed with football the whole time. And then my junior year in high school, um, I started, I, I kind of slid back and, and let baseball go for the simple fact that uh, rodeo in the spring was more important to me at the time. And there just wasn't enough hours in the day to balance it all. And, and so I transitioned out, out of baseball, but I, I kept football all the way through my through my senior year. But I, I certainly wasn't the the largest, fastest, toughest man on the block. So uh, college never did come calling for me in that aspect. But there's several steer wrestlers that have um, had opportunities and took the time to take those opportunities. Uh, Straws Milan, uh, he went to Europe uh, and, and played hockey uh, when he was 16 and 17 years old. Uh, Nick Guy had offers to go play hockey uh, beyond the high school level. And there's there's several others. Uh, Jesse Brown just uh, made the NFR this past year. He played Division One uh, college football as a as a quarterback. So there there's a lot of guys that uh, have athletic talent in, in a wide range of of different things. Um, I would say right now that if he ever had the uh, chance to do it in college, that Jacob Telly would have made a one hell of a power lifter for the simple fact that that guy is a workout guru and he is as strong as an ox. We talked to Jacob and he was talking about his workout regimen and all the things that he changed with his body and his diet and stuff like that. And he was just talking about how it impacted his strength, his endurance. And yeah, I could totally see that. Now, are these gentlemen that also come to your ranch as well, or are they just you're just part of this all part of the competition world that y'all know each other that or that you know them this well? Um, some have been through the ranch. Some have stayed there extended periods of time. Um, Nick guys come practice once, but uh, he hasn't been a, a fixture uh, at my at my house in the same fashion that a uh, Tanner Milan or Straws Milan or uh, Jacob Edler has been throughout the years. But my door is always uh, open to guys that uh, want to put in the work to get better. Speaking of time and getting long in the tooth, 37 isn't that old, but if you <laughs> have had a duration of working on a ranch your entire life of playing football, playing baseball and steer wrestling, man, I mean, that, that takes a pretty big toll on your knees. For the time that you're getting out, do you have to change? Are you changing anything about your game plan or the way that you do things now as you did two, three, or five years ago first year wrestling? Certainly. So uh, I had a um, back surgery um, in June of 2014. And from that moment on in June of, of 2014, my whole process of how I've geared up for rodeo from there on has had to mold, change, and adapt. I, I was a guy that was un, unafraid to run as many steers in a given day or di given practice session as was needed, and that usually was, you know, a number in in the 20s or 30s on on the ground and four or five steers per horse, and have six horses tied up uh, for one practice just for myself. And after that back surgery, I, I've had to change how I do things. From from there on, I started using a, a personal trainer more, and then also at the same time have had to scale back my practice sessions to only a handful of steers on the ground and a, and a few of horseback. Um, it's certainly not the the way I used to go about um, my practice sessions, but uh, it's also limitations on my body. I'm not 21 years uh, I'm not 21 years old anymore, and I, I certainly feel that some mornings when I have to put on my socks. But I, I feel like as you you grow and get older, the one thing about it you may not get to put as many runs in the practice pen as you're ready, but you put in quality runs. And mentally, I know when I show up to Reno this year, uh, what the start's going to be, what horse I'm going to ride, who's going to haze, and, and I expect great things from that rodeo before I even leave the house now. Whereas uh, at 21 or 
26 years old when I when I'd show up at Reno it was a uh, man I hope I win something and this time around it's or, or in the last several years uh, post back surgery when I show up every every run I make I know is 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 got to be a quality run do you have you typically done pretty well at Reno I've won it three times now and I think I've made the short round another four times in addition to that so yeah. historically it's it's one that has treated me exceptionally well but it also uh it is like the jump start to my summer. I've his, have historically not been a, a great winter rodeo cowboy, but uh, typically tend to do, do well in the summer. Once I leave the house and, and I don't have cows and yearlings and, and all the other factors of life to worry about, and I can just focus on my job, and that always seems to be when I leave for Reno, that from there on, I feel like I got the green light to go and do my job. And Nice. Uh, so that, that's the one that's the one thing i look, look forward to most this year oh that's awesome man yeah get silver spurs at number four <laughs> well that's uh no one's ever done that as of yet so we'll, we'll see how it goes that's awesome man we'll wrap it up after the break with hunter Kier. NFR Extra follows cowboys, talks to legends and country stars, and finds the stories that make up the season that leads to the annual showdown in December. Follow me, Nevada Caldwell, Brylon Bentley, and Steve Goder as we delve deep into the stories in and behind the road to gold. Listen to NFR Extra on Rural Radio, channel 147 on Sirius XM, every Monday at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 Eastern, with a re-air Tuesday in the same time slot. NFR Extra, all dirt, all rodeo, all year. Hello, everyone. It is Jordan Tierney, Miss Rodeo America 2020 and 2021, joining you on NFR Extra. Hunter Kier is here on NFR Extra. With you saying that Reno has been a good place for you, where is one of your favorite rodeo moments in the dirt? Hmm. I I would assume that you would mean uh, away from Las Vegas because that's kind of where... That's kind of where uh, Vegas sets itself apart from everywhere else, that uh, there's nowhere else like Las Vegas for that type of environment, that type of atmosphere, or that kind of money financially. So Vegas brings all of those things to the table that's unduplicated by anywhere else. So I think there's there's no bigger thrill than than knowing, knowing that you have to put the gas pedal to the floor in round 10 and no better feeling physically of being able to go and do your job and hearing the roar of the crowd to go with it. There's, there's nothing that matches that. So give me one in Las Vegas and one out of Las Vegas. In Las Vegas, my favorite moment would be the 10th round of the 2015 uh, season. Certainly um, after coming off of a back surgery in 2014, I I had questions mentally whether I could ever steer wrestle at at a high level again. And I think that that moment in in, at the last round, the very last day of, you know, of 2015, that um, that that was achieved and accomplished was probably the the pinnacle of the sport and and what makes you want to get out of bed every day and um, get back to that moment. Uh, That that is it for me. Out of the arena, I w- or out of Las out of the Las Vegas arena, I would say that uh, hoisting up the Silver Spurs in Reno for the third time uh, was definitely a uh, a sweet feeling that uh, no one ever, no one else in the steer wrestling has ever had before. That is cool. That is great. Yeah, going from the wildest, and both in, both in Nevada, so Nevada treats you pretty good. Go Nevada. That's right. One of one of interesting <laughs> correlation between the two. Yeah. Just keep it rolling. Third third set of silver spurs already won. Maybe get a third world championship. You know, just kind of take that tide and ride it. <laughs> Certainly, that would uh, that uh, that third world championship is uh, something I feel like that would be what I would call the legacy builder. That uh, I think there's only five men with that have more than two gold buckles. So certainly, I feel like that, that puts you in a in another class of you know, uh, amongst some of the other steer wrestling greats and is, is something I've always uh, aspired to get to. Honestly, I'm more than thankful just for the two that I have, honestly. Yeah. There's, I tell you, we've, 
like at the junior world finals deal and Oatberry um, puts on that junior year wrestling there. And some of those kids are men. They're like 17 with full beards and like six, two. And I'm like, God almighty, that's a child. It's not really a child, but there's a lot of talent. I mean, it seems like the world of professional steer wrestling is in pretty good hands with, from what I've seen, quite a few guys that have got some, some potential in their future. While I don't see as many as many steer wrestlers as a whole, the ones I am I, I am seeing come up through the through the junior ranks are more athletic, more talented as a whole, and a lot of times are better prepared as horsemen than even I was at that age. I, I think the the future of steer wrestling uh, is bright. While I would love to see more numbers uh, as a whole in steer wrestling, because as team roping has exploded, I think um, steer wrestling numbers haven't haven't even kept pace with the status quo. But the the quality of men that we have coming on now, uh, such as a young man named Landris White from South Texas, um, maybe one of the most raw and natural talents that I've seen in a long while. And I think that that's a name that uh, Las Vegas will come to know later on. I think he won the junior world finals this year, if I'm not mistaken, he did. And, he... and had fast time. Yes, yeah, you I, are I correct. Could, he did win our junior world very well finals. That. Yeah, he's he's impressive. And he he also just made it all the way through to I think the first round of the American and AT and T. If not, I know for sure the semifinals. So he has a huge future ahead of him. Certainly, I, I look for, I look for that that boy's. Sorry, I look for that man's career to go nowhere but uphill from here. Anybody under thirty is a boy now. That's how it seems. <laughs> Get out of here, child. <laughs> certainly, certainly. But we also live in an era era of yeah. being politically correct. We'll tell. Yeah. <laughs> Before I wrap this up, though, one question we like to throw in there at the end right now is: What is one of your weirdest biggest fears that you face especially you because you have faced a lot of other things what is one of those things that is a fear what is one thing is a fear i think this is the one the one question that i I actually skipped over earlier just for the simple fact that i didn't have anything that that jumped out there to me i guess the the one thing that um, I, I, I worry or wonder about in my mind is the career path that I've cho- chosen in life being a professional steer wrestler and uh, rancher. Is that something that uh, my kids might want to be involved in? And if so, my fear is how much do you, you help them try to achieve the level of success that I've had? Or at what point is it pushing? Um, so I fear the the push and the pull on whether no matter whether it's I'm I'm helping my daughter with gymnastics or my boy with baseball is the balance of what's what's right for them. Um, and my fear is uh, of all the things I, I've done in my life, the one thing I don't want to do is getting get be the be the person that's in my kids' way of them achieving their dreams, uh, whether that is in the arena or outside of the arena. So how much to push and pull with them and uh, when to when to be tough and then and then also when to be soft with them so I guess that would be my fear even though that's a long answer <laughs> sorry that's a no that's a legit one man yeah it is absolutely a little deeper than y'all were expecting but uh I don't know that's the uh, <laughs> wanting wanting your children to have more than you had I, I think that's any parent's goal or dream for for their children but then again how to make what you want for them come into life. Yeah, it's also facing this jungle, right, that you know that's out there and that they're stepping into and, and how you're giving them this path or this, I don't, you know, like, I, I don't know. I, it sounds like you don't want, you don't want them to be like you, right? You want them to be them and whatever that is. And yeah, I man, that's that's a solid actually answer, or not an answer, but just a, you know, response to that question, Hunter. That's actually a... Uh, one of the best ones I think we've heard. Uh, well, by no means do I, I think that they need to follow my footsteps because um, while some things have, have been great in life, um, um, the road is full of potholes and twists and turns and, and a roller coaster ups and downs. And um, you, you never want to see, uh, I guess, your children stumble or fall and, 
have the same adversities that you've had. You always want it to be an easier path for them. But then again, there, there is something to be said about the, about the struggle to achieve something. It does make me appreciate it more. I can see why you got a lot of people coming to your ranch and hanging out and you're kind of a, a magnet to, let's just call it wisdom or knowledge or some things that you seem to kind of just naturally share, man. This is uh thank you for coming on here and taking the time and talking about your story and, kind of what you've been through here recently and your bumps and your potholes and everything else you've gotten through, man. This is uh, was fantastic talking to you. Bumps, potholes, one nasty and severe concussion as of late. But uh, the good thing is um, now that we're into March and February has passed, uh, I'll at least remember that tomorrow that we had this conversation. So that's one good, good thing of the, of the whole month. <laughs> You're here, man. That's awesome. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Hunter. Take care, man. Well, y'all have a good day. All right, Desperados, last call. I haven't been this excited for 21 since I myself was 20. <laughs> because all of this just... It, it yeah. is last call. The only problem is we're sober. <laughs> exactly. Let's do this. All right. All right, friends. This is Steve Goder joining me right now, my good buddy, Andy Seiler. What's shaking, my man? I think it's awesome that cowboys are still cool, you know, and that that way of life is still it's still here today. It's present and it's sellable because I think, in my opinion, there's a lot of women out there that want a man. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm for equality and all of that. But in my opinion, a man should be a man and a woman should be a woman. And I think we get that, you know, with the Western way of life. And the cowboy to me is a great example of toughness, grit, determination, and being able to finish a job. So if I had to put someone that embodies all of that, all of those things wrapped up in one, in a number one spot, for me, I would have to say it's a pretty easy answer. Trevor Brazil is probably my top cowboy of all time. Somebody that has done what Trevor's done, winning $7 million in the Western industry in multiple events, uh, who, who's also made his own little business empire out of it. You know, I mean, that to me is tying together the cowboy way of life with an entrepreneur. And that to me is, is pretty inspiring. As far as one of my favorite cowboys that is going down, well, I'll just say alive and kick it now. Wade Sundell, man. Wild Western Wade Sundell. <laughs> so I think I mean, that's everybody wants to do cowboy shit till it's time to do cowboy shit. And Wade yeah, Sundell is, he is and, always ready. And Wade Sundell, I think he's one of those guys that he's like today's John Wayne because you can see yeah. him walking around with a two year old, like trying, like human being. He's got kids now. You know, I mean, like a two year old human being trying to keep them alive with, you know, a, a Marlboro hanging out of his lips and this, this cheap, you know, you want to play Texas Hold'em smile on his face. You know, I mean, that's just, that's weighed to a T. And yeah. And, you know, then somebody brings over a problem barrel horse and he's like, man, let's just try it out. You know, I mean, yeah. he, he's, he does it all. So he's all there. Yeah. No kidding. So, and he's made a lot of feats too. I think that like, as far as the pinnacle of, he had to win the world, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. him winning the For world sure. was absolutely amazing. Um, Triple crown, the American, I mean, so many different feats and I mean, such an eccentric individual, but he's still really, in my opinion, like Wade Sundell has got that ambiance of, of what the cowboy is. Trevor Brazil is the, he's kind of on the polar opposite. He's the clean cut, you know, very pristine. Wade Sundell is a little bit more of the, you know, stumbling out of the bunkhouse and ready to go knock the fuzz off the porch <laughs> or, or something. But uh, no, I admire that. All right. If we're going to go, I'm going to go back to the arena for just a minute because obviously you have to have Ty Murray in that conversation. But one that I think is really cool for a different reason because he not only has a great rodeo career but he also was a pickup man was louis field so oh, louis absolutely. you know I, I mean yeah he could he could do all kinds of things during his career but then after that said you know what i can also pick up bronx and and that to me is one of those guys where there's a lot of bareback riders that will fall off the victory lap horse you know so yeah. for for louis to make kind of a second career help out some college rodeo kids as well i mean that to me puts him in kind of a top five category well and talking about louis field is you know i mean really all that a man has is his legacy and what he leaves behind and not so much his accolades in the arena outside 
outside the arena, but look at his family. You know what yeah. I mean? Like look yeah. at Casey and the family that Casey's raising. So yeah, Louie is absolutely, I think one of the iconic uh, guys that you could look up to be not only a cowboy, but somebody that you would want to be around. And as a human being, sure. emulate that. I'm going to kind of maybe skew off of, uh, I've, I've got three more that are on my on the tip of my tongue right now. All right, rapid fire. Get it. Chris Ledoux. Okay. World champion, bareback rider, singer, songwriter, cowboy, all the way. Slowest rapid fire oh, ever. It, it, there's some reloads. <laughs> but rapid fire is all in context, man. If you got a muzzle loader, that's pretty fast. Cotton Rosser. Okay. And Cotton Rosser, you know, all around cowboy. Um, you know, that sort of a deal to where he, you know, incredible stock contractor, stock contractor of the year. Most notably, though, what I find interesting in Cotton Rosser is the intricate part that the Rosser family and Flying New Rodeo played in the early stages of the NFR coming to Las Vegas, of doing with the openings, of kind of the production side of it. You know, that's Cotton's the showman sort of a guy. Speaking of Las Vegas, third, I'm going to go with a man who is not my final say because of the merits of which he holds Benny Binion. That's, that's actually a good one. I didn't even think of that because there's still a rule today when the NFR moved to Vegas, uh, they still call it the Benny Binion bonus, which means if somebody qualifies for the national finals rodeo, they're guaranteed a check, even if they don't win anything at the actual rodeo, that's the, the $10,000 bonus they get for making it. It's, it's still, it's still known by those who have been around for a while as the Benny Binion bonus. So that, that's a good one. Any, anybody that has a 12 foot statue via horseback in a casino is that that's, that's some cowboy stuff right there, too. Yeah, I, I don't have one of those. So this guy, he doesn't compete in the arena as much, but this is going to be my last one. It, usually, if you hear a bunch of stories about a guy, the legends are somewhat true. And if they're true, uh, Brent Lewis is the type of guy that if you needed to go catch something in the brush or break and train a horse, I, I mean, he he went to the Dodge. I mean, he went to the National Finals Rodeo multiple times. But at the National Circuit Finals, when it was back in Pocatello, he rode his horse grumpy without a bridle in the short round. So that to me, if you can ride a horse and tie down rope and without a bridle in one of the biggest stages, you're pretty punchy. If, if half the stories I've heard about Brent Lewis are true, he's a, he's a cowboy son of a bitch. There's a lot of names and there's a lot of guys and that, you know, that you, you could talk about and that's, I mean, there's just a, a certain level of these guys that they kind of don't have the mold for them anymore. Let me say this closer to the microphone. Let the debates begin. <laughs> we want to give a big thank you to hunter cure for hanging with us on nfr extra want to experience more of nfr then visit nfrexperience.com and we invite you to subscribe to nfr extra on apple Podcasts, spotify iHeartRadio, or wherever you're listening right now if you like what you've heard on nfr extra we would love it if you gave us a big five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe nfr extra all dirt all rodeo all year And the bulls and the bronze And the ladies in the skin-tight ringers And the cowboy hats And it don't get